All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron, And I'm Clayton. I'm your roommate's hollow veteran. And I'm the Virgin River <laughs> super fan. <laughs> and we're your hosts. And we are joined, of course, by our very special guest, producer Patty. Hello, I'm producer Patty. I also love Virgin River. <laughs> And if you haven't guessed already, we are doing a very special episode on Virgin River. This is episodes one through five because there was just too much Virgin River. We knew we were going to have to break it up. There's so much to discuss. Our cup overfloweth. I know, with those virgin waters. Yeah. I, yeah. We just binged one through five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we are already excited to get this recording over with so we could keep watching Virgin River. (laughs) <laughs> we, we've said that our treat for doing this podcast is to watch more Virgin River. Yeah. And I think in case anyone thinks we're being like sarcastic, we are dead serious. Now, this has this been is the best. Legitimately a fantastic show. We loved first season. Yes. They really upped the game. And like season two is better. Like I, they've improved. I feel like the budget got increased oh. as well mm-hmm. because we're seeing a lot more outdoor stuff. We're seeing a lot more places that they go, a lot more sets. Oh, yeah. The location budget was tripled because we're mm-hmm. getting outdoors. Turns out everything is on this river because yeah. we, we see this river in, in a lot of shots. Yeah. Jack's Bar, which I, I, get, I would remember if the, we would all remember if it was right by the river or at least we if we had seen the outdoor seating by the river. Mm-hmm. But this season we're seeing it all the time. Yeah, I would have told you that Jack's Bar is in the middle of the woods. And I would have been so confident in that. Yeah. I thought it was on a parking lot in season one. But there was definitely no water in season one. No, there was. there's a lot more water. We're seeing a lot more of that river. Mm-hmm. And, well, r- real quick before we start, what we're going to say, we are actually in the same room. So we spent Thanksgiving together. So it was the three of us and my parents, all at my parents' house here in Connecticut. So... We figured what is a better way to celebrate being together than watching 10 hours of Virgin River. And, and, you know, just so people know, of course, me and Aaron are married. So we already were together. We're, we're a pod. <laughs> You're no longer, we're no longer a marriage. We're a pod. We're a household. Yeah. We're a quarantine pod. And Clayton, who we have not been in the same place in as a, as in a long time, but Clayton, just assure the audience, you of course have been tested. I've been tested. I got tested right before I came. Yeah. We would not allow... That otherwise. Nope. I mean, you. we've, even before this uh, pandemic, we always asked Clayton to be tested before we would see him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, you were tested. So now we're ready to, we were together and we, we ate Thanksgiving. We yeah. watched it was so nice. River. It was so nice. Yeah. And it continues to be nice. Yes. <laughs> it's good to see your guys' faces. I know. It is so strange to do this in the same room after so long of me just doing it in my bedroom with headphones on, just talking into the darkness. And me doing it in various sheds and <laughs> who knows, other locales. <laughs> um, so should we go around and just do first impressions of the of the season so far? How should we do this? Because we all just are too jazzed and we did no producing before. I'm well, shaking. How about this? How about we start with, this is producer Patty doing some producing. What is, for the people who maybe haven't, have not heard last our episode from last season on Virgin River. What is Virgin River? Oh, that's great. Oh, so this is my job, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's, well, a, it's a Netflix show. Of yeah, course. it's a next Netflix show. It's based on the books of Robin Carr, and it's about a nurse who moves to Virgin River 
She's running away from some things. She's running away from a, a husband who passed. A a she had a miscarriage. Now this is going to be all spoiler. This is spoilerific. Yeah, so yeah. spoiler for first season. Spoiler for the second season. Obviously, she meets a guy named Jack who runs a bar. He's a hunk. She's a babe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have a kind of they have a friendship, but they are all they're in love. But they just have various ost- obstacles that they have to overcome. So they're our main couple. They're the thrust of it. But then you also have Hope, who's the mayor, who does jack shit, but get in everybody <laughs> else's business. And there's the doctor, who is Mel. Mel is the main character, the heroine. Her boss, who at the very beginning is curmudgeonly, but we know he's a big, huge softy. Yeah. Who he was married to Hope, still married to Hope, and they were on the outs. They weren't living together. And in the first season... They were almost going to get a legitimate divorce, but they have rekindled their romance. Now, in the second season, they have to hide it. That's a whole hullabaloo. But, yeah, and then there's a whole gang of meth heads that are involved (laughs) in this whole thing, too. And They're just, like, circling the town of Virgin River throughout the first season. But season two, they're... They they're were here. Well, they're, they're here. encroaching. They were on. They they kind of hang out in a in a, a bordering town, but now they have bought property in Virgin River or mm-hmm. attempting to, and yeah. that is rough. So also, there's a gentleman named Preacher who is so cool. who works at Jack's Bar. They were in the military together, and he his love interest was uh, a young woman who was running away from her abusive husband with her son. She changed their names and she was on the lamb and he got embroiled with that. And we're going to talk about what happened with that story at the top of this, like yeah. at the, when we start talking about season two. Am I missing any other? Those I mean, the big, well, of course, who is the complication between the love of Jack and oh, Mel? Oh, and this Charmaine. is the true star, star of the show, Charmaine. Charmaine. <laughs> so Charmaine in the first season was Jack's girlfriend. But who thought she was Jack's girlfriend and Jack was like, uh, no, actually, we we never really said we were official, even though he was acting like her boyfriend. Yes. So in the first season, towards the end, she announces she is pregnant. And so that puts a wedge between Jack and Mel because Mel doesn't want to necessarily get in the way of a father and the son or the daughter or whatever the baby's going to be. And I said, now this is a Mia couple. For anybody who's listened to our coverage of Virgin River. From season one. From season one. I said that I thought Charmaine was faking the pregnancy. That is, spoiler alert, not true. Okay. Here, <laughs> There's no way she's still doing it. He, I Oh, well, there is no way she's not doing it because we find out uh, in one of the early episodes that she's having twins. Okay, yeah, we I was see say, the heartbeats and we see the okay. sonogram. I was going to, because I was all in on the theory of, of uh, Charmaine fake baby in season one, but you're right. Uh, she is having the babies. Yeah, she is having the They're babies. real babies. So we'll, I mean, that was, that's a lot of information for people. I yeah. would say if you listen to our Virgin River season one episode before this yeah but it's basically it is a show about romance and entanglements in a small town in a small town this second season feels like more of a true ensemble than the first season because i feel like the first season was introducing a lot of people bring starting a lot of storylines and the thing that's really great about season two is how much it is like 
just fully integrated stories. And we were talking about how obviously we are all obsessed with this show. This this show is great. But every time you cut to a new storyline, it's also well done and fully developed in a way that you're like, okay, now I'm invested in this scene that I think is really, really hard to do with ensemble shows. Like normally you have people who are more and less developed and this, it really does feel like a true ensemble show. And what I was going to say before Pat said, no, save it for the podcast was the thing that I think is so great about the show is this harks back to like the golden age of TV in like the late nineties when there were all of those hour long drama in ensembles that I think went away for a while where like everything turned into the anti-hero, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And instead- Police procedurals. Yeah. Procedurals took over. Yeah. And this is just like solid TV writing and acting and production where everyone is also all in on the show where they're like, this show is like a little bit melodramatic and a little bit cheesy, but everyone is all in and the acting is fantastic and the writing is fantastic. And locations like we said they finally got their budget that they've been hoping for so thank god now we're seeing everything in this town yeah but i think it's it's a like yeah it's a really great show that we like genuinely do love a lot yeah so we sat down to watch this first episode so well this this episode of of our podcast we're covering the first five episodes of Uh season two which is all we've seen so far too so we won't spoil past episode five because we have not seen it and we will be unable to um and that's why we're rushing through this in order to get to episode (laughs) six no so the when we sat down to watch this first episode i think halfway through it i turned to pat and aaron and said is this the greatest show in TV history? <laughs> and, you know, I'm not being facetious. I love this show. And, and you know, anybody listened to the other episode when we did it first, I was reluctant to even watch this mm-hmm. show at all because I thought, 10 episodes, what a commitment. Now I'm sad that I'm on the back end. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're going over to the back end of these episodes. And when's, when's season three going to happen? I'm already thinking about <laughs> season three and the wait. I'm, 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 I'm having trouble. But I think this season, like you said, really, we're, we're in the thick of it. They do a little bit of resetting at the beginning of this episode to get people uh, caught up to speed. Mm-hmm. But then they really start, it starts moving downhill pretty fast in like what we're going to be covering in this season. Mm-hmm. So, so how about we, we do it like this? Let's talk about, there's a few main storylines in Virgin River. So why don't we go through them that way? So I think the big main storyline of the show is, of course, the love triangle between Jack and Mel and Charmaine. Charmaine, yes. And last season, uh, uh, Clayton and I were very much team Mel. And very anti-Charmaine. I wouldn't say we're anti-Charmaine. I would, I would say we're Team Mel. I would well, I would say we are anti-Team Charmaine. We're not anti the actress who plays Charmaine. She's yeah. doing a great job. Laura Hemsley is doing a, a fantastic job. Yeah, she's doing great. I would say the show itself is. I would say the show feels very anti-Charmaine. These first five episodes of season two. Uh, I don't think the 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 uh, producers of the show are Team Charmaine. No, I think they did the best that they could to de-glam her. Because they tried. Because yeah. she's, uh, she's a beautiful woman. She's a beautiful actress. And I think what might have happened is that you have Mel, who's the main heroine. Mm-hmm. And you 
you're kind of rooting for her and Jack to get together. But then if you have Charmaine sitting over here looking glamorous, you're going to have a hard time getting everybody on Team Mel. Right. So they had to give this actress like a very thankless job, which was to totally de-glam her, Mm -hmm. make her hair look like it hadn't been washed, putting her in bed. (laughs) For the first five episodes, she has gotten out of bed maybe five times. (laughs) And then it's only to come out and then go back to bed. Exactly. She's had to answer the door and then get right back into bed. <laughs> because she's she's pregnant and she's having complications. So in the first or second episode, she is told by the doctors that what does she have? She has a some sort of uh she's not getting enough fluids. She, yeah, well, she's she has a dis- it's disorder that a lot of pregnant like that is not uncommon mm-hmm. where women just have like, it's constant nausea through their entire pregnancy. And it can be really dangerous because then you're not getting the nutrients you need. You can be severely dehydrated, which can be very difficult. Yeah. So like famously, Amy Schumer had this. Kate Middleton had it. And my now, friend Marie had it. And, and now, now Charmaine And now Charmaine has it. Yeah. So four very important women in my life. Yes. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So then Charmaine is kind of stuck in bed and... Mel is the, the is the nurse and she has she's had complications with the child before, which she is not told Charmaine, obviously. And so Mel is asked by the doctor to help out with Charmaine, which we obviously know is going to create tension and it does. Right. Because right. Mel fucked Jack. Well, and also Mel <laughs> is like a maternity, like an L and D nurse prote- practitioner. So like she has more knowledge than the doctor does. So that's why. But I do think, yeah, obviously I'm team Charmaine. I still think she's fabulous. She's an agent of chaos from that bed, which I love. Also, she is straight up being gaslit by everybody in the town. Oh yeah. By everyone in the town, by Mel, by Jack. She's in that room. She was like, clearly you two are fucking. I looked out the window. I got out of bed my only time today to look out the window and see you two flirting. And he was like, I was flirting. Yeah. And Jack, and like, this is really a credit to the actor who plays him, Martin Henderson, I think who, because you, I still love Jack, but Jack is a bad person. Like, Jack is a bad boyfriend. Yeah. And Jack, like, I'm sorry. I don't think it's too much to ask, like, you are having twins with this woman. What she's asking for you is to spend time with her and just not fuck this one bitch. He re- and do you think, like, could you just do it for nine months? She is uh, literally, no, no. <laughs> she's carrying your children. She can't get out of bed. For some reason, she's with Hope, who is, an- like, talk. Hope and Jack are perfect, like, counterweights to each other because they are both horrible people who I love anyway like Mm. hope is also a bad person in that she is actively trying to torture this pregnant woman by like pretending to vacuum all day and keeping the tv blasting the tv Uh, yeah because she just doesn't like her for some reason because she's team Mel and I think it's ridiculous anyway so every character in this show is in a romantic drama except for charmaine who is in a psychological horror movie yes yes i mean charmaine is being miseried in yes this. like charmaine in these first five episodes of season two she's bedridden in the house of a woman who hates her who like you said is running a vacuum cleaner just to drive her crazy 
And her nurse is fucking the guy who got her pregnant who does not want to be with her. And Jack obviously does not want to have anything to do with these kids. No. Right. Well, so he's, so he's so upset when they're told that they are two. And then he goes, his way of looking at it is he tells uh, Mel, it's going to take twice as much manpower <laughs> to handle this job. Oh, God. There is such a great, because he doesn't know that it's going to be twins. Yeah, and twins. And they, so, so Mel comes in with her mobile, I guess, uh, sonogram app on her computer (laughs) and she plugs her, the sonogram thing into the USB port on her laptop and is looking at Charmaine's stomach and it's to see if the baby is healthy and they make it seem like something's wrong because the way Mel looks at the screen, it, it, we were like, oh, something's going to be wrong with the baby. But really, it's twins, and Mel is bummed because mm-hmm. she knows this is going to be a situation. And she looks at Jack, and she's like, it's two. There's twins. And Charmaine's excited. And the look on Jack's face, <laughs> he's just like, can I just jump out a window right now? This is a horror show. Right. He can't even hide the fact that he barely can stand Charmaine at this point. Yeah. And it's crazy because he was fucking her two months ago. But two months ago is so long but when you so... fall in love with someone else. Right. But he isn't even, but like he's just not a grown up about anything. And so when Charmaine is like, I don't have any family in this town. Hope actively hates me. I don't know anybody. Can you please just spend time with me? I can't leave this, <laughs> my prison cell. I just want somebody here who can stand the sight of me. And he's like, I'm going to have to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, here's what I'll do. I'll sleep on the couch. For one night, and just don't talk shit about Mel anymore. And oh that's the God. agreement. He also, she is nasty to Mel, which I'm like, I don't know. It's within her like right to be nasty to her. Also, it's like she's in the middle of pregnancy hormones, a high risk pregnancy. She's been vomiting for six weeks. Like, I think at that stage, anything you say is kind of like whatever. People have to get over it. And he makes her apologize to Mel. That was great. That was psychotic yeah it's pretty psychotic and she did it too she, she had to it. apologize to mel i think that's the I'm thing i'm still team mel yeah oh but that's the thing don't oh mel <laughs> just just you, we're team mel it's fine you yeah. can be team charmaine but I we're know. not we're not going oh team charmaine but they never show charmaine doing anything that i think warrants the amount of ire that she gets from this entire town other than like, she lives in a small town in Northern California. Jack, as far as I can see, is the most fuckable guy we've been shown so far. Absolutely. So she's or like, preacher. Or preacher. Or, or she didn't see preacher. He, he came into town after she started fucking Jack. Preacher's, I mean, preacher would have been a better choice. She should have gone for preacher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see, pre- yeah, I could see. Yeah, preacher's a catch. Yeah, catch yeah. and a half. But I think, and Jack is not. And I think... Not oh, that he's Jack's not. a catch. Jack, he saved her from being killed by a a, a, a drug-addled home invader. He uh, owns he owns his own business. Well, he saved Mel from being from a, a, a home invader. Yeah, he saved yeah. Mel. He from wouldn't. A home I think that so he would have The situation would have been like, just take the woman. Don't hurt Mel. <laughs> Who's Mel? Where's Mel? I don't know, but don't do anything to her. Get Mel's name out of your mouth and get Charmaine out of my house. Yeah. 
that's an interesting <laughs> thought experiment. Would Jack have saved Charmaine from a home invader, or would he have walked in and immediately <laughs> whoop and spun around and went back to his bar? I mean, I think he would have, because deep down he's a good person, but he would yeah. have been happy about it, and he would have found a way to blame Charmaine. Yeah, he would have been bummed. Yeah. Um, yeah, he would have been so mad at Charmaine afterwards. Uh, and he would have been like, because I did this, that means I don't have to come here for like another three weeks. And I could spend all that time with Mel and you can't be mad about it. Yeah, you're not allowed to have any feelings about ha- being pregnant with a man's baby who does not want to be around you. And Which is, is like, the- it's also fine, but it's also it's like you guys are all grown ups. Like they're all in their late 30s. Like, talk it out. Nobody, like, I guess that's the end of the show, though. But it it is, yeah. Jack is absurd. I do love him. Well, there is, and in, I mean, as a, I think, nod to our podcast, because I don't think other podcasts are talking about Virgin River. And you know what? They're missing out. They really should be. But but it's okay. If we have a monopoly on this show, that's fine with us. (laughs) But there is a part where Jack tells Charmaine that him and Mel had sex. Because they have sex for the first time in this season. And it is awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't see, you know, we don't see like, you know. We don't see as much as we insertion or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but we do see them really, you know, we know that they have had sex. So this would be, for romance terms, this is closed door sex. Yeah. Yeah, it's closed door. Okay. So, but they wake up in the morning. She's not ready because her husband only died less than a year ago. That's the other thing too. Jack is pushing her so hard to be with him. And it's like, she... Her husband's body isn't cold. Yeah, that, that I mean, but when your heart your heart wants what your heart wants, he's a passionate man. No, no, the husband's body has to be cold first, <laughs> or has to be dead for at least thirty years. You got to have some sort. See, you don't you have you don't have perspective because you're married. Exactly, and and your wife and is in the room. Even after I'm dead, she's still married. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Now, do you Italians really think till death do us part? Or not death do us part. Not death do us part. No, death is just the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, you'd wear black forever, right? Yeah. Oh. I'd be in mourning forever. (laughs) Yeah. You have a lot of uh, of experience reading novels where people have to wear those kind of different mourning clothes. So you would know what to do. But anyway, so Jack doesn't want to lie to Charmaine and and Charmaine is badgering him as to whether or not he had sex with Mel. Was it while we were together? He's like, no. Were we apart? Were, were, you know, was it after? Yes. Once. So he tells her and then she tells the whole town that Mel swooped in to steal Jack and had sex with Jack just to get Charmaine out of the picture. And so she shows up at, uh, Mel shows up at the big festival that they have where there's an egg race and all that shit. And which is lovely. Yeah, yeah. high drama. Yeah. Oh, everybody's staring at Mel and she's like, Is my hair? What's going on here? And then people are coming up to her being like, I'm on your side. I'm Team Mel. I'm Team This. So there is a Team Mel, Team Charmaine situation, yes. which I think we started. Is there there is a chance that well, because the the actress who plays Charmaine has been in contact with us after we aired our our episode review on it well she tweeted she tweeted uh, I, I mean i don't have access well, to the twitter there there's, oh my God. She and i don't know how it works she, she oh she dm'd us dm so, so what we're saying is virgin river is aware of us they are aware of our team charmaine team mel situation 
So there is a chance that that led to the Team Mel, Team Charmaine episode of season two. I feel like what happened was that they were go? I was right. We're gonna really it, insert ourselves into this. We love it. Listen. We're not. We're not suing. We're not doing. Anything oh no! Else. This would be my greatest joy if, at, in any way, we influence Virgin River. There would be nothing to give me make me happy. Here's my theory. I was right. The baby was fake. They hear this. Oh my goodness! And or the actress who plays Charmaine says, "Hey, listen, this guy's on to us. We gotta do something." <laughs> so. The writers put their heads together and they say, here's what we're going to, we're going to swerve. And guess what? You're going to be a huge part of the second season because we're going to make these babies real. <laughs> and, and I think we expanded her part on this mm-hmm. show. I think the fact that there is a Charmaine versus Mel situation in the second season has to do with us because otherwise I feel like they would have just said, Charmaine faked the pregnancy. She's gone after one or two episodes and then they move on to something else. But now Charmaine's she's in this like huge triangle, which is so engrossing. Yeah. Now she's now the James Conn part in misery, which is an interesting part to be in a romantic uh, triangle. Well, that would be if everybody, everybody in the town was misering James Conn. Everybody in in Virgin (laughs) River is Kathy Bates. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that's the big, I mean, we could talk about the Jack Mel Charmaine situation for a whole entire yeah. episode. Is there any other big things about that triangle that happened in the first five episodes that we should touch on? Because obviously it's going to be also the focus of the back half of the season. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, no, because it's it's just things that are offshooting from their, yeah, like, yeah. like so their I think, personalities. I think that's, right. yeah. I th- well, I also, the thing that I think is interesting about this love triangle in a way that makes it like still pretty like fresh and very watchable is also like, I don't think necessarily that Charmaine wants to be with Jack at this stage. No, but if you've ever been had someone close in your life who, you know, is lying to you, there is nothing that will drive you insane faster than trying to prove that this person who you think is lying to you is actually lying to you. And it will turn you into a psychotic person. And that's what I think it is. And also I think Mel likes Jack, but she's dealing with a lot of her own emotional stuff. And I think the thing with Jack is he's seems to like with Charmaine, the way that they were in season one and pre season one, it seems like was he was kind of using her as like an emotional crutch. So then he's coming over and he's trying to now use Mel as an emotional crutch because he's going through some things and she just is not willing to play that game because she has too many other things going on. So now Jack we're starting to see hints of him maybe having substance abuse issues or he's having a really, really hard time and he's unable to do it. But I think that that's what's interesting about this love triangle is it means that Jack is going to have to grow up significantly in a way and take responsibility in a way that like he has not ever before. Well, he, I mean, the thing is to say that Jack has never taken responsibility. You mean like emotionally emotion. I don't think he's taking responsibility for his own emotions. Like obviously you know, he was a Marine. He was in Iraq. He had a platoon. He runs a bar. He seems to be like a member of the community. Like, yes, he's not a fuck up. I'm not saying he's a fuck up, but I think it's just you're seeing kind of the way that he used women versus the way that like I think he needs to change that in order to be with Mel because sure. obviously they need to be together. Well, yeah, that's the main thrust. I mean, we're yeah. not going to be excited if they don't end up together. I don't want Charmaine. When I say I'm team Charmaine, I don't want Charmaine to end up with Jack. You just don't want people to keep gaslighting her, lying mm. to her, forcing her into bed rest. 
not giving she her access. Wants to know, she wants to talk to her friends. All she does is tell her her friend from the salon called her and was like, hey, Sharhan, what's going on? Just want to check in on you. And she's like, I don't know. This has been really tough because Jack now he's fucking Mel. And I my just nurse, my nurse, which is like, like, talk about a HIPAA violation. Like you can't fuck your patient's baby daddy. How can you not allow a hairdresser to have access to blowout technology? You can tell once she gets a little bit stronger after she has the IV that she blows out her own hair. <laughs> Truly fantastic. Um, they don't give that actress lashes the entire season, but Mel wakes up with lashes. And I, you know, Lashgate, I'm going to call it. Okay. But I think... Um, Hashtag la- lashes for lashes Charmaine. Lashes for all. <laughs> lashes for Charmaine. <laughs> um... But yeah, I also was like, what she did that was like the big bad thing she did was like tell her friend what's happening in her life. And it's like, well, don't fuck Jack if you don't want people to know. You live in Virgin River. People find things out. Everybody wants to know who's fucking Jack. Everybody wants to be fucking Jack or know who's fucking Jack. I was thinking that too, because like if I lived in a very small town and Jack was the bartender at their local bar and Pat didn't exist, I would be at that bar every night. Okay, but I don't exist. (laughs) It's not just I'm dead. (laughs) This is also me living in a small town. A lot of big things would have had to have changed. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, there are so many giant storylines. So I think the next big storyline is Preacher and Page. Preacher and, and Page. And we have to talk about Preacher and Page. So Preacher is, yeah, is one of Jack's marine buddies. He's cool. He's uh, He seems to be the one really keeping that bar running. He's a cook. And so he, like, had started. I would say he's a chef. Chef? Yeah. He's a chef, yeah. I don't know the difference, but okay. Well, he's just very good. Okay. At cooking. And he, so yeah, so then and Paige is she runs the like the bakery food truck in town. She has a bakery food truck, yeah. And she called is called Pages, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she's on the run from an abusive ex-husband, Wes, who shows up. Who shows up and the, I guess she hid the abuse that she suffered from her kid because when she shows up to her house, her son is kicking a soccer ball with somebody that we don't see, but we all know it was her husband. It's going to be her husband. She walks in and the son goes, hey, mom, daddy's here. And she, the blood just drains from her face because right before that, her and Preacher it seemed like they were going to go forward with some sort of relationship because she had been not wanting to get involved because she was obviously on the run. All these things were happening. She didn't want to bring Preacher into it. And then Preacher gets very into it because Wes or Wesley, her husband, immediately hits her. Like, we don't see this, but the next time we see her after we see him with his son in the backyard, she has a busted lip, like a, like her, a bruised jaw and a bruised eye. And he wants them to come with him. And he's a cop. So he's saying, you're wanted and you have to come or you're going to go to jail because you're a wanted fugitive and I'm a cop and they'll believe me. So she says, no, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. They're at the top of the stairs. He starts choking her. She pushes him down the stairs and then he hits his head on the wall downstairs and breaks his neck and he's dead. So she's got a dead body. Now, mind you, the kids in the bedroom may be five feet away from here. Here's none of this. <laughs> Did not hear his mom getting hit. 
right? Maybe he did, though. What the hell is a kid supposed to do? He was a little boy. But we never see the any sort of reaction of, of him being scared mm-hmm. of anything. And then he the, the dad falls down the stairs. He doesn't hear that. And then she somehow gets him out of the house before, I guess she moves the body before she gets him out of the house. I know there's some logistics involved. I think what really happened was the makers of the show didn't want us to see a child seeing his mom get abused and seeing his dad's dead body because that's just not something you'd want to see in a in a romantic drama yeah yeah tonally it's a bit far for the show i yeah. think yeah i think already this storyline is a bit far and and in page so she calls preacher preacher comes over and he's like you got to go i'll take care of this and so Preacher's stuck with this dead body, which we have not seen him cut it up, dismember it, and get rid of it. That's the assumption that he's done. I mean, we think he's done that. So now we have Preacher hiding a covering up for a murder and hiding some sort of getting rid of a body of some. So we're not, we don't know what he did yet, but it's haunting him because he's distracted. He's not himself. Jack even notices it because Preacher's usually really on the ball. And right now he's kind of. In his own world. Yeah, it's there. And there is that moment in one of the later episodes where a group of people see something by the park and we're like, oh, no, did Preacher just throw that dead body in a bag and leave it in the one public park in Virgin (laughs) River? But it was like people found a dog. Yeah, it was a dog, not a dead body. So the thing about this is it's a super heavy storyline. Preacher has either burned or cut up or buried a dead body. Or fed it to pigs. Fed it to pigs. Uh, Paige and her son have left town. Or he's cooked it and he's serving it to people. Yeah, there is. Fried the, green tomatoes. There is that theory. Is that what happened in fried green tomatoes? Yeah. Oh, there's also a Tales from the Crypt where that happened. Wait, fried green tomatoes, there is people? The tomatoes are their no, husbands? No, the tomatoes are tomatoes. Okay. But <laughs> the, the fried green tomatoes... Um, I forget the the two women what their names are, but um, she one of them has an abusive husband and they murder him and then they put him into the meat. I did not know that was wow. So that's that just blew our minds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then there is a chance that preacher has seen or read fried green tomatoes and that's what he did I mean, to uh, West. He might be a huge Fanny Flag fan. Who knows? Well, I mean. Preacher is a chef. He's cooking all this food that everyone loves. So he's got the distribution network to get rid of a body's worth of meat. Meat, yeah. Um, It does say something. It would say a lot about the town of Virgin River if because they love Preacher's food if they were all so into the taste of human flesh. I mean, yeah, that's a weird season three. It is amazing how quickly this show could go straight up Stephen King. Like just like just odd. It's possible. Um, I doubt it. I I don't think so either. I have a feeling. Yeah, preacher has stashed it somewhere, and I think we will see that body. Yeah, we're gonna see an intact body. I think we will. Yeah. Well, the the complicating factor in preacher's story is that um, what is the the lady who owns the general store? Connie. 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 
Connie, who has a big, she was in the first season, I believe. Yeah. But her role has been really expanded this season, which I think is great. I love Connie and give me more Connie. Connie is a neb nose. She gets into everybody's business. She is helping out with the truck, though, because Paige is gone to help her sick father. Yeah. According to Preacher. Quentin's Preacher, saying that in, in, in finger quotation. quotes. In finger quotes. Now that I'm in the same room with you guys, I, I feel like I'm in the same room with all our listeners. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm I'm not, you know, I'm doing that. But Connie is helping with the with Paige's truck and then also still running her general store. Yeah. So she's spread thin. And her niece has come to visit, which and we'll get to. We gotta get to the niece. <laughs> Lizzie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And okay, so anyway, Preacher, yeah, she now knows something is up. Connie. Right. She's the only one who saw Wes come into town, registered who he was. So she's pieced together that something is up and Wes is missing. Yes. And because she heard something going over the... She has a police radio or something like that. Yeah, she has a police scanner. Because she's that nebby. She's (laughs) that into... She's trying to pick up gossip off of a police radio. Which, listen, there's not much to do in the town other than try to fuck Jack. There's really not much to do. So they have a heart-to-heart preacher in her. So she doesn't know that preacher did anything, but she thinks that Paige is in trouble and he's in trouble somehow because he's involved with Paige. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that Connie had a similar issue with her parents where her father was abusive to her mother, where it turned out that her father ends up killing her mom. And she never, she regrets not being able to do anything because she was a kid at the time. Right. Yeah. So there's some heavy stuff in I mean, there's yeah. heavy stuff in this show, but they do do a good job of of making it, respecting it and not making it ridiculous, but also having lightheartedness and, and things like that. Well, yeah, because in that episode, there was also an egg race. There was an egg race, yes. Yeah. And then Preacher also uh, does have romance brewing because there is a woman who was she run a restaurant in san francisco owns a restaurant in san francisco and she has she said that she goes to a small town every year for a month just to hang out and she stumbles upon jack's bar and preacher's food and it's obvious in episode five that she's taken a liking to his cooking (laughs) and is going to be taking a liking to a lot more than just his cooking (laughs) oh yeah to his cooking yeah well, she has a she has a uh, a taste for human flesh because yeah. <laughs> he obviously fed her Wes. So, is that because this show is sort of built on love triangles? Do we consider that preacher's love triangle? It is preacher and uh, uh, the woman who owns the restaurant in San Francisco. I think Jamie is her name. Jamie. So preacher Jamie. And Wes's dead body. Wes, well, Wes's dead body. I was going to say Connie is the other member possibly of that triangle because in episode five, Preacher basically tells Connie about the dead body. No, they he doesn't. They open up to each other. I, it's oh, alluded to the fact that no, he no, might, but, but he doesn't say it. Well, we don't hear him say it, but like as they pull away from that scene, he's telling, Preacher's he's starting everything. from the beginning. He's telling Connie about Paige's uh, marriage. And I think it's a, it's basically telling us at the end of the story, he's going to tell her about the body. Okay. So I think, you know, Preacher and Connie have a bond. Preacher and Restaurant Tour have a bond. Which, uh, are we all on board for this? Are we all I on board for... I want Preacher to be with Jamie and I want them to go to San Francisco together. Jamie's sophisticated. 
She is a business owner. She obviously has shit together. And no offense to... uh, Paige. uh, I'm sorry? Paige? Paige. It's a lot to take on for someone like Preacher. It was just a lot. And I think that she might be a, a better fit for him. I want Preacher to be happy. Yeah, and I think for Paige, it's like I feel like that story is done. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like she left town. She doesn't have to worry about her ex-husband anymore. Now she just has to run from the murder. And uh, let's leave it there. I don't know. I know she's going to come back. I feel like. She's got to. I don't know if it's going to be this season or, mm-hmm. or or it might be the last episode of the season she shows up and Preacher's, you know, cooking with with uh, with Jamie. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's because this will be fun because we're going to do another episode on episode six through 10. Do we think Paige will show up? And if she does, what do we predict will happen? I don't think she shows up, but I think that what happens is that Preacher is getting involved with the restaurateur pretty heavily. And then they, someone finds the body. And I, I, cause that's what I think. I think it's a West, West's body, him, and the restaurateur are the triangle. That's the because love that's the okay. thing that's hanging over mm-hmm. him finding happiness. Right. Yeah. Wes Wes's dead body is the thing that could stop this relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think Paige will come back. Okay. I think he's going to start something with Jamie. I think things are going to be good, and then Paige is going to show up, and then need preacher to do something else. Like Paige is pretty demanding of preacher of preacher's time. Like I killed a whole. I killed a whole <laughs> family. I'm All, a family annihilator. Everyone in Tampa is after me. <laughs> yeah. Um. So all right. So speaking of love triangles, oh, we have this is great. the third love triangle that is truly a joy to watch, and that is Doc Hope and Muriel. Hey, Muriel. Hey, Every kid. addition to this cast, and we loved the cast season one, is perfection. Yes. Like the best person came in. Um. So yeah. Do you do you, what was well, this triangle? Okay. So. Hope is the mayor again. He doesn't do jack <laughs> shit. She is a mayor in like in the way that like Queen Elizabeth is runs a government, where she kind of just wanders around and maybe she gets up on the mic every once in a while, a but she head. does nothing. I, I and she she I say she dresses like a thrift store Diane Keaton, mm-hmm. which is true. She purports herself like a teenager in that she is super bratty. And she even will, if she's upset, she'll even throw herself into furniture in the sense of like, she'll just plop down on a chair like, really, we got to go to church, mom? She's such a brat, but she doesn't want- She's in charge of the town budget. She is in charge of the town budget. Who would allow this? She also goes up to her, one of her best friends, Connie, and as a way of greeting says, Connie, you look like you were born tired, but does not offer any assistance. Yeah, Connie's- Connie's lifting a very heavy box. Connie is very old. And of course, Connie's just just found out that someone she knows has chopped up a dead body. Yeah, yeah. So Connie's got a lot on her shoulders. But I guess she was just born tired. Said to her by her friend slash the mayor of her city. Yeah. So Hope and Doc get back together. They are not getting divorced. Hope 
doesn't want the town to know because she's assuming that everybody's just going to gossip about it, which they will. And she's the number one gossip. That's so. the thing too, is like, she is such a gossip and so up everyone's asshole in the entire town that she's like, of course they would all love to know this information about me, even though there's no need to keep it a secret. And I don't know that people would care that much. Well, because if she's the main gossip and she doesn't want to gossip about this story because she's in it, then the level of gossip will probably be pretty low without her being the engine behind it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, and everybody's and everybody's embroiled in the whole Team Charmaine, Team Mel. Right. So I think that's kind of the younger, hotter, sexier thing. Although to be fair to Hope, later on in one of the episodes when we do see Doc and Muriel together at an event... There is a lady in the back of the room who's nudging her husband. It's like, look, Doc's with someone else. This is, I guess this is Splitsville for Doc and Hope. So I guess Hope is right. People yeah. are people are really into that storyline. And also they had been, it seems like they had been living apart as a divorced couple only without signing the paperwork for 20 years. Yeah. For a significant amount of time. So this isn't just like, oh, they hit a rocky patch. So Hope for, yeah, she doesn't want to become part of the town gossip. So she, uh, Muriel asks Hope if she can ask Doc out. So she says yes. And Doc doesn't want to be with anybody but Hope. And then she's like, no, you gotta, this has got to be like a cover. If you go out with her, they're not going to think anything's going on between us. So he reluctantly hangs out with her, but he starts kind of liking spending time with her because she listens to him likes to do the same things he likes to do, doesn't tell him what to do at every turn. (laughs) And the more... She made him that strawberry rhubarb pie for lunch? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then she also wants to listen to classical music, which Hope thinks is people just trying to seem uppity. And... Jesus Christ. (laughs) and, And Muriel is like... At first, she was introduced, I think, in this in the first season, kind of as one of the women in the circle who was a little bit arrogant, a little bit nose up in the air. But she's a lot of fun and a really sweet woman who I think and, gen- and very beautiful who really wants to hang out with Doc and and sees him as a really nice guy. And he's turned into a real sweetheart. Like mm-hmm. a, you know, when we first were introduced to him in the first season, he was kind of a jerk, but. He was one of those guys who had like a really hard thin shell, mm-hmm. like a M&M. But then once you get in it, he's like so sweet. Mm-hmm. But their whole thing is that the more Hope is trying to cover up their relationship with this, with this fake relationship, the more she's pushing Doc away because Doc is starting to think, well, does she actually want to be with me or am I just a booty call or what's going on here? So... Where we leave it at the end of five episodes is that Hope says, oh, let Muriel do the egg race with you, which is something that he wanted her to do with him. He wanted Hope to do it with him because they're really good at it. And she's got a, she's got like a, she's very fast at, um, the transition, at at the transition, which is the most important part of the egg race, as we all know. (laughs) And she doesn't do it. Muriel and him lose, and Doc's so mad because that's his big thing. He wants to win the race. So after that, he's kind of upset with Hope, and that's where we leave it, is that she's calling Doc, and Doc's not answering. 
What about that great scene where Muriel invites Doc to go to the uh, uh, dance lesson? This is great. And then Hope crashes the dance lesson, immediately grabs the instructor, <laughs> says, we're dancing now. The instructor does not instruct. It's a dance class. It is not a dance exhibition. <laughs> and he's just like, all right, let's do a dance. And everyone just pairs up and dancing with no instruction from the instructor. No, it's the only, the two of them. The two, it's just. Just those two couples. Just those two couples. And so everybody just, watches because they don't know what to do without the instructor. <laughs> it's a dance off in the middle. Of the, the, the mayor walked the in mayor. in a ball gown, grabbed the instructor and said, let's dance. And it becomes a competition. Right. Dances. And then the instructor says to Doc and Muriel, you guys, so good at dancing. <laughs> Such yeah. great flow. You communicate through your bodies. I love to see it. He goes to Hope. You dance only by yourself and with no one else. Yeah. All right. Everybody from the top. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Hope storms out. Yeah. Storms having out. Having just arrived. So she obviously did not pay for this class. <laughs> I guess she can just walk into any class. Is like, that what it is being mayor? Like you can audit any class happening yeah, in the she borders. Walk of into the town? a cooking class, <laughs> take somebody's cake batter, dump it on their head, and then and then uh, uh, steal the instructor's uh, 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 cake and and eat it on the way out. I think that that's would, amazing. It's as if she just walked into the the Great British Bake Off tent, yeah. grabbed Paul Hollywood's <laughs> signature challenge, ate it in front of him, yeah. and then left. I think she just roams around the learning annex and just like you know, like kicks in the door to like a uh, to like a wood making class, steals a bird feeder, <laughs> walks out. She is she is just a an agent of chaos in this town, and she I. Is. Love her for it. Like, she, I, she's awful, but she's wonderful. But now, I love her so much. And remember, aside from the love triangle she in, she's in, she is also actively torturing... <laughs> Charmaine. <laughs> Charmaine, yes. who yeah. is the pregnant woman who is living in her guest room. Yeah. 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 She's the main Kathy Bates, <laughs> I guess. She's, of yeah. so many Kathy Bates. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. what is our prediction for this love, love triangle in the back half of season two? I feel like Doc is going to dump Muriel, even though he shouldn't. He shouldn't. They should be together. And then, and then he's going to get back together with Hope, Hope, which he shouldn't. Do you think that happens in this season, though? Do we get a cliffhanger where? It's, I, maybe we get a cliffhanger where he has to choose which door he goes through. You know, like that that Friends cliffhanger where they're at the beach house. And right. That's where he goes to the ball girl, or he goes to Rachel. I think this season. Okay, so season one in terms of their relationship, ended with Doc and uh, Hope getting back together. I think season two ends with them being apart again. I think whether it is like a misunderstanding or whether Doc does start developing feelings from Muriel, I think Hope will see something between Doc and and Muriel and decide this isn't working. I'm not uh, staying with you. That could be. I, I, I think I think Doc and Muriel might end up actually sleeping together. No, the they won't half. sleep together. I don't think because it's a if this is a romance, I don't think that he can sleep with anybody else. I think there right. will be but a situation. Jack, did. Jack slept with Charmaine before we saw Jack. We never saw Jack hammering Charmaine. No, but I think it happened during the course of the season. One, yeah. She Did got pregnant it? during season one. 
She okay. had to have timeline wise. I don't think Doc's gonna. I don't think he's gonna do it. He's I don't not think gonna he's, Jack Hammer. I don't think he'll inject uh, Muriel with with this love serum. <laughs> I, even though, he, yeah, he. Sh- but yeah, I he mean, should, I, but he won't. No, I think I agree with Pat. Though I don't think that they're going to end up together this season. But yeah, so. That's that's a big one. And you know what we love about the show, too, is that pretty much all of the couples are older. Mm-hmm. They're not 20-somethings. They're, at the very least, late 30s, early 40s. And with Doc and Muriel and Hope, they're in their 60s or 70s. And I love seeing that. On I love seeing every generation being able to find love. That's just like so heartwarming because it gives you hope. Yeah. It, it shows you that, okay. Well, hopefully not hope. Yeah, no, not that kind of hope. <laughs> hope gives us hope. The good kind of hope. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it makes you think like, well, maybe if I don't find love in my 40s, I can find it in my 50s or my 60s or my 70s. And what I love, too, is they... Or maybe sh- I'll be buried next to a hot, dead body. <laughs> and then right. a flood will come through and their bones will land on my bones. We can hope. <laughs> we can only hope. Um, well, and I also love that they show Doc and Hope being like, very horny for each other. They're the horniest couple. Like they are the horniest couple and they, you know, there's sexual tension there and you know, they bang it out on the regular, which yeah. is great to see. Cause I feel like sometimes when you see older couples in things, you never see them be like intimate together or you never get the sense of them like being like, like really hot for each other. Physically. Yeah. Physically. It's more of the emotional bond, the deepness yeah. of the emotional bond. And it just shows them like having tea one morning while they look at the sea or something. And you're like, Oh, we're supposed to know this is deep. <laughs> yeah. But for, for hope and doc, they are like making out every chance they get and love to see it. It's so they're so giddy. But yeah. having said that, we need to talk about our youngest. Our, triangle. Our another newest addition. Lizzie. And I just want to check what the guy's name is. Because he's new too, right? Ricky. Oh, is it Ricky? Uh, you can check yeah, if Ricky, you want. Ricky is the, is the kid. And then Brady is, of course. Brady. So Ricky works at Jack's place. I don't think he was in the first season that we know remember. of. I don't He didn't stand out. If he was, he was just a background extra. And he is a nice young kid, thinks he's invisible to girls, and this young uh, young woman, Lizzie, who is the niece of Connie, shows yes. up. She's a girl who wants she's to... She's a fast girl. She's a fast girl. We could tell she wears a very provocative top. <laughs> she's a 25-year-old playing a 19-year-old. And she... <laughs> Clayton looked that up, apropos of nothing, as we yeah. were watching the show. As we were watching, just to make sure... No, I like to know the ages of all actors. Yeah, it, it's it. I, I, there's no real reason behind him constantly asking, hoping that characters would ask her what her age is. <laughs> yeah. And she finally gives it. She, oh, those tops she shows up in is like the registered uh, slutty teenage harlot. Top. Yeah, harlot. It is like one of those like medieval type, like with the ruching around the boobs and stuff. It's it was great. She showed up and she hates life. Yeah. She's mad. She's in Virgin River. She, yeah, she wants to be in L.A. She wants to party. She probably wants to be an influencer of some type. <laughs> so she shows up, and of course, Ricky is smitten because he is a dumb young man <laughs> who is so full of hormones. There is nobody his age in Virgin River. <laughs> <laughs> he is a man in an elderly town. Yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> like, that is a great town to be in if you are Jack. 
Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. if you're Doc. Yeah, if you're Doc or Jack, but, but for Ricky, Ricky, it's a rough it's a rough spot. Ricky's in a rough spot. So she shows up. She obviously doesn't want to be there. She wants people to buy her beer. She tries to get him to give her a beer at the restaurant. And when he goes over to Preacher to be like, oh, can I get a beer? He's like, for who? Points out, uh, points out her, Lizzie, and Preacher gives her soda water, obviously, because he's a good dude. And he can tell women's ages just by looking at them, I think. It's a skill that he has acquired. Uh, <laughs> also, room. for no reason. For yeah. no reason, no yeah. reason. Uh, so anyway, then she, there, there at the festivities... Connie puts her in charge of Paige's truck. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's she's in over her head. Ricky sees this and he says, I'm going to be a good guy. I'm going to go over and help her. So he shows up. He's like, can I help you out? She's like, yeah, sure. Take over. I'm going to take a break. And he says, well, do you want to do the egg race? And she goes, yeah, whatever. I guess I'll do it. Sounds fun. Touches his hand and he melts. <laughs> so she, this sucker goes and takes her spot uh, behind uh, in, in, in Paige's truck and Lizzie has her eyes on Bradley. Brady. Brady. Whatever. The bad boy. My least favorite character mm-hmm. on this whole show, who was in the in the platoon with Preacher and Jack. He was working at the bar, but then felt disrespected because he had to clean toilets and wasn't Preacher's boss. When Preacher has actual skills, business acumen, and charisma and charm. And so Brady <laughs> is a guy who wants everything but doesn't want to do anything for it. And he gets caught up with the drug runners, like the meth dudes. Mm-hmm. And he actually... Who own the logging company. Who own the logging company and actually now has a job with them. So him and Jack are at odds. And she spots... Brady, and of course, I called this, remember? I was like, mm-hmm. Brady, Brady is As a soon guy. as Lizzie came on screen, Clayton was like, she's ended up with Brady. You were so mad as you made that <laughs> prediction. But you were like, my least favorite character is going to end up with Lizzie. How old is she? Well, because <laughs> Brady is a character who knows the age of women on site, but wishes they were younger because he is a scumbag. Yeah. They're trying to show glimmers of him being an okay guy, but he's not. He's scum through and through. And they're setting up a love triangle between Ricky, Brady, and her. Yeah. And Team Ricky, a thousand percent. Oh, yeah, you have to be. Even though, and this like, show has to be because there's no way that she can. I mean, she might actually have sex with Brady though, because yeah, th- that that in this show would be like a tragic mistake. Yeah. Oh well, because the other thing is, she goes to try to get birth control from Mel. From Mel, Mel writes her the script, and because of course you should, because yeah. And uh, Connie finds out and is pissed at Mal. And rips it up. And rips it up. So it's like, that's also foreshadowing she's going to get knocked out by Brady. And then I think Ricky will be like, I'll be with you. And then shows Jack how to show up. Oh, no, Ricky. He is going to do that. He's going to do that, the poor, sad sack. And he should not do that. Well, here's the thing. I think my big prediction that I think is a slam doink for the back (laughs) half of season two is... Ricky's going to be the tragic figure. I I think where we're going to end up is Lizzie and Brady, of course, have sex. 
Ricky gets involved, maybe like to save, try and save Lizzie from some dangerous situation. And Ricky will be the victim of the drug dealing logger mm, gang. That's the that he Brady's gets killed by in. the mess. I think he's maybe dealers? not getting killed, but hurt in this show, beat up. Yeah, like hospitalized, or at least like in Hope's house, and Doc <laughs> has to fix him. But I think I think Ricky's going to end up in a bad way at yeah. the end of this season because he's so because he's so helpless. He's like so sympathetic. And he's a great worker, and Lizzie makes him, doesn't make him, just says, hey, can you get me booze? And he says, "I no one's going to sell me booze. She goes, you work at a bar, asshole. <laughs> and so he steals tequila, and they are drinking together, and she kisses him. And he's, of course, he's just going to, he's so dumb. He's so dumb he's in so love dumb. with her. And yeah. then Jack shows up, takes the bottle. Tells him, leave the car, which is great. Leave the car. And Jack takes the bottle and we think, well, you know, Ricky's thinking, oh, I'm in trouble, all this stuff. Jack's taking the bottle because he doesn't want me to drink anymore. But there's also Jack started to drink again. Mm -hmm. And this got triggered by the fact that him and his platoon got together for a reunion. And one of them had died during some sort of mission Jack blames himself, and one of the guys keeps needling him about how he didn't bring everybody home. Which is an insane thing to like even joke about. Yeah, so he does. He says he says something when they're bike riding because they all go mountain biking, and then when they're sitting around the campfire playing public domain songs on a guitar. (laughs) The guy starts telling a story about the guy (laughs) who passed away, and everybody's kind of you know, this is nice. We're talking about this guy's memory, but Preacher is kind of looking at Jack because he sees Jack kind of freeze up and he's thinking this is not kind of cool because Jack doesn't want to be reminded of it. So things get a little bit awkward. Jack pretends like everything's okay, but then he chugs a beer and then goes, gets another one and just downs it. So when he gets that tequila bottle, he's sitting in his office and he calls the parents of the guy who died under his under under his supervision. And he just starts crying and says, I, I never called you and I'm sorry, your son, blah, blah, blah. And the guy on the other end says, well, I'm his brother. His parents have passed away, which makes Jack go nuts because now he can never apologize for not bringing his, their son home to them. And it's a pretty devastating scene. Mm -hmm. And I do think, though, it's pretty crazy for a drunk guy to call the family of somebody who died, what, five years ago, six years ago, and just really, like, bushwhack them with this this emotional barrage blubbering on the other line when maybe they had, it's never going to go away, but maybe they had come to terms with it a little bit and had put it away for maybe an hour a day now. And then he all of a sudden needs, he has that need. So Mm -hmm. he feels like they should listen to him. I think when you're saying Jack is selfish emotionally, I think this is a perfect example of that. Thinking of his, his... at this moment, I need to vent, so I'm going to call the family of the person Which who is died. An insane thing to do with absolute. Like they're about to just watch like the Downton Abbey movie, and they're just like kind of calm, having yeah, an yeah. all right evening, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, now we have to 
think more about our son who died in the war. But yeah. they're dead, so now they didn't have to think so about it. So they didn't have to think about yeah. it. But yeah, that there was no thought for him of like, and also like he was drunk at that time. Like yeah. nobody wants to hear from you when you're drunk. Yeah. Call Lava Life or something. Call like uh <laughs> Yeah, call an 800 number. Call they, an 800 number. Yeah, listen, they're getting paid and they should listen to you. Yeah. And I'm sure they would love to. And though he's obviously dealing with that problem, but the main reason I think in the end he is drinking is because he has just found out he's having twins and he never wanted to have one kid <laughs> in the first place. So he is lamenting two children that he is so dreading. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants to be with Mal. She still can't commit because of the, because her husband is, is still cold, you know, still warm in the ground, not cold yet. And so he's having a hard time just being friends with her. Yeah. Right. That's the thing too. He, yeah, he's just like emotionally demanding of the people around him in a way that I don't think is fair. Well, I think it's just the women that he is with. The other big thing, I mean, yeah, Mel's storyline sort of wanes in, in I think these middle episodes where her thing is her sister-in-law has come to town and wants her wedding ring, the wedding ring that Mel's husband gave her, wants it back because it was a family heirloom and she wants it to stay in the family. Which I feel like is very, like, reasonable. It's weird to just show up at someone's house and demand their engagement ring. But to ask for it, like, I think Mel should have offered it to the family after he died. So obviously from the way the character is written, we are to side with Mel. Mm-hmm. You right, don't her think... sister-in-law is written as a bad character. And somebody as a can, bad person. Who cannot keep up on Mel's daily half marathon that she runs through, <laughs> through the woods through the woods so we are to think that mel should not give that ring back i don't think she should give the ring back but i mean listen that's just that's just me i think aaron you probably know like what mm-hmm. what should be done in those situations a little bit better i just think the way the characters are written we're supposed to be team mel and and uh, being on team mel i'm not going to be on team sister-in-law right. who comes in and no, says the sister-in-law also says insane things to her that i would slap her across the face he says well like you and mark who knows if he would have been alive would you still be together because you were having trouble yeah that was psychotic to say to somebody and mm-hmm. it's like yeah i think couples fight when tragedy happens especially when it's involved uh, when it involves children or you know those kind of things so where couples just go through difficult like any long relationship you have good and bad times so it's like he happened to die while they were in a rough patch but it didn't mean that like what would have happened but yeah i think if it was just he had just bought a ring for her then she's under no obligation to give it back but i think because it was a family heirloom you know i think you you should offer at least because also it's like she has her wedding band it's not like she will no longer have anything. But then the sister-in-law says, oh, I'm getting married. His name's Paul. He's my boss. Which is fine. You can marry your boss. But I think we're supposed to assume that she's marrying this guy because, you know, he's got money or something. The intention of this woman, even though maybe she deserves to have that ring with everything put aside, this character does not make us want her to get what she is here for. Oh, for a hundred percent. And ultimately Mel decides to not give her the ring. And so then she leaves. That was the, that was like sort of a, a down note. I think like, yeah, 
Well, maybe the ring comes back at some point. Maybe yeah. maybe once her and Jack can finally be together, she mails the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, COD. Yeah, that's a great prediction. I could see. Okay, well, let's end the episode on this. What are our predictions for Jack, Mel, Charmaine, Jack's drinking problem? Where do we think they might end up in the back half of season two? Well, okay, so I think Jack's, like the next three episodes, he's drinking pretty heavily. It's driving a wedge between everybody. I think Charmaine has some complication with the babies at the end of this season and mel saves her mm-hmm. saves her i can't see another miscarriage in this show no. so i think saves the babies or at least one of the babies are we I don't seeing know. these twins before no because she's not she's not even showing yet yeah, I don't think she gives birth yet. But any but twins are high risk no matter what. But there's a medical emergency that Mel comes through and shows her skills and shows her care for Charmaine. And I think they end this season as not friends, but building maybe towards a friendship. Yeah, I could see season one, uh, season two ending with Mel and Charmaine being close and both of them being disconnected from Jack. Because yeah. he's a drunkard now. Yeah. Yeah. I want Charmaine and Mel to be friends. I do think that they would be good friends. And you, there was glimmers there was glimmers of that, I think, in the earlier episodes of them being together and seeming to like enjoy each other's company. So, yeah. So maybe that is a love triangle is uh, Charmaine and Mel and that Jack needs to get out of the way. No, that's not true. I, but I, yeah, I agree. I think that Jack's drinking and addiction issues is going to get racked up and then that'll be driving a wedge between him and everybody. We'll see because we're, we're going to watch these episodes <laughs> tonight and tomorrow. So I know. what? Yeah, it's nine 30. So we're going to be watching at least two Yeah, yes. minimum. <laughs> yes. All right. So do we have anything else to do on this show or can we just end it and go watch Virgin River. I think we can end it and go watch Virgin River. I mean, obviously we'll just say what we normally say, Aaron, where can they find us? So do you have Virgin River theories? Um, do you watch Virgin River? Do you have anything you want to tell us? Any uh, book suggestions as well? We are at learning the tropes podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at learning tropes on Instagram at learning the tropes. We have our Facebook group, the learning the tropes troop. We will start a Virgin River discussion. I mean, maybe tonight we have some things to start saying. Uh, and then also we have merch, which is linked below in the show notes as well. Um, and then finally, um, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.